Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to DraftKings Network. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I f***ing love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that boss next. Big job there from Duffy and Frank Mir is hurt now. They're a couple of absolutely self-involved bull artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Headshot! Bang! Tired of snooty wines and their old wine culture? Confused by words like malolactic fermentation? Yeah, we are too. So with 19 Crimes, you can do the fancy-schmancy tilt-sip-smell routine, or don't. 19 Crimes is the rebel of wine and culture telling the stories of rogues and rule breakers who overcame adversities. From convicts banished to Australia to the legendary icon Snoop Dogg himself, 19 Crimes Wine is defiant by nature, bold in character, and always uncompromising. 19 Crimes, the official wine of UFC. Pick up in stores nationwide or online at 19crimes.com. Enjoy responsibly. 2024, Sonoma, California. I don't need Rob Font to like be, have a greater career than Kenny Florian and be like the best fighter to ever come out of Massachusetts. Hasn't fought for the belt yet, but when you start to look at the Bantamweight records, Kenny, Rob Font's name is all across it. And this, you can argue, is his signature win. 
right? To knock out Adrian Yanez as an underdog on pay-per-view. Rob Font hadn't competed on pay-per-view in a very long time. Back-to-back main event losses to Jose Aldo and Marlon Chido Vera. Essentially had his face broken apart and uh, just a really good dude, a really good fighter. And he took it to Adrian Yanez. What were your thoughts on the feature about the biggest win in my mind of Rob Font's illustrious career? Is this for me or, or BP? Oh, that's for you, Kevin. Okay, cool. Um, listen, I, I thought the difference was his power in that one. First of all, established his jab beautifully. I don't think Yanez um, really had a great answer to that jab, number one. Yanez does get hit. That was my big hesitation with picking that fight. I ended up going with Yanez because I thought he'd be slick enough to do it. He was not. Um, he he didn't have an answer to that jab, and Font's power was just too much for Yanez, man. Uh, just an amazing performance from Rob Font, dude. I was blown away, super happy for him uh, as a fellow Massachusetts guy, and um, it, it was great to see him get that win. Yanez, back to the drawing board. Defensively, this was the wake-up call for him. Get better defensively. Right. Uh, and, and, and figure out something as far as, you know, being in the pocket without getting hit as much. Because against someone like Font with that kind of firepower, you cannot afford to get hit like that. Amazing performance by Rob. So Tyson Chartier texted me after the fact. Had to remind everyone we're still here. And uh, that really that warmed big. my heart. I feel really good for those guys. A lot of steam on Adrian Yanez coming into the fight, Brian Petrie. And one of the hardest yeah. things for me as a play-by-play announcer is coming <clears throat> back to the host hotel after the post-fight show. One of the first people I see is Adrian Yanez. And what do you say to mm-hmm. the guy? And what I said right. to him, and I believe this to be true, I still think he's one win away from finding himself in a major Bantamweight main event against one of these guys, potentially ranked five or six slots above him again because he has the fan base. He has the appreciation of his fellow fighters. He has the crowd-pleasing style. He has the support of the promotion. What he does mm-hmm. not have is a win over the top six Rob Font. Yeah, I mean, Rob, Rob Font looked amazing. I mean, they that they just proved levels. I mean, you look at a guy's resume like Rob Font, you look at Adrian Nez, you know, it, there, there's no, there's a world's difference. I picked Nez. I thought, you know, he's the he's the up and coming guy. Font had been hit a lot. Font goes, no, I don't care. Font doesn't wear a punch well, but he ate those punches like Tic Tacs. And with Nez, the one thing I didn't like about it is after the fight, he apologized, bro. You have there's nothing you need to apologize for. Like I know you're bummed. And you you feel like you let people down or whatever, but you Paul, you know, he sent that message out apologizing to people. You're a savage. Like that was an incredible fight. You're going to be back. You're a good young talent. Exciting fight. Everything you said, John. So other than that, it was perfect. I know he got caught. I know he feels let down. But I mean, you fought the biggest competition of your life, and you looked pretty good. There were some exchanges in there where where Yanez won those exchanges. It's just, you know, like Kenny said, defensive, defensively, it was a problem for him. All right, Kemflo has a hard out at 1 p.m. Eastern, so we have 28 minutes yeah. right now to work through some it. predictions. But no, we got to talk about UFC 287 a little bit, so I'm going to make you guys shortchange the picks a little bit on the back end. Also, sure. don't forget more on 287 with Evan Longoria later in the week. But there's so much that happened in Miami, and I need to get to Kelvin Gastelum and Chris Curtis here, boys. This was the fight of the night. Certainly a fight that could have mm-hmm. gone either way. On the totality of this night, it seemed as though damn was rewarded more than volume in most of these fights. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this one was unanimous for Calvin Gastelum, 29-28 times two, and then 30-27 to 27 from the dissenting judge. I certainly don't think Calvin Gastelum won all three rounds. Brian Petrie, I'm going to start with you on yes. this. Yes. 
I got to talk to Chris Curtis about you. I think he might actually like you more than I do. I never <laughs> thought I could find someone who was more pro Petrie than me. Uh, but a disappointing <laughs> result yeah. for your guy. But by and large, this was a good night for him overall. 100%. Yeah, listen, I'm so proud of him, what he's he's accomplished. I talked to him after the fight. I usually give him space. I mean, this is the biggest fight of his career. He knew that. Biggest name of his career, and he's, he's pretty bummed. There's no doubt about it. Uh, listen, I I no one's going to want to hear my opinion because I'm super biased and everything. I've watched the fight five times, okay? Initial viewing, I thought Kelvin won one and two, right? Now, when you go through with a fine-tooth comb and the judges don't have that luxury, I can see an argument for Chris in that second round. Third round was all Chris. That 30-27 score, I think, is outrageous. Third round was Chris's. First round was all Kelvin. Second round, you got that headbutt, which is so unfortunate. Chris was flashed. Chris woke up on the ground and said, wait, why is my coach just standing? Oh, wait, I'm on the fucking ground. I better get up. He was flashed out. He didn't remember wow. anything. Yeah, so he got up and was just on autopilot and really battled back that second round. So that's just kind of the unfortunate part of the game is because obviously it wasn't on purpose. It was a weird collision. That happens. The ref didn't see it. The judges didn't see it. I didn't see it live until you guys mentioned it on your on your, on your your replay. You said you guys got an ISO of it. Um, yeah, but I'm just so proud of the guy from what he's came and what he's done. And listen, I mean, the, the you can't base a fight on stats, but if you look at the stats, Chris outstruck him. Chris worked that body. I'm mean, listen. Kelvin is a different dude. He is. I've been on the end of those body shots, and they hurt. And Chris was digging to that body. Uh, I don't know who was going to be Kelvin that night. Kelvin looked like a man on a mission. He looked fantastic. I'm not even upset about my guy uh, because he he got paid. I know he's upset because he feels like he's the best in the world and he wants to go out there and prove it. And he feels like he didn't prove it. Um, but I think he just proved, hey, I belong here. Because that was the best Kelvin we've seen yeah. in a very long time. And this is a guy who who took out Asanya five rounds and, and you know was 2-2 two, two going in the fifth. So um, there's no shame in this fight whatsoever. I'm glad he got paid. Hopefully he kind of shakes off this, this emotion that he's got right now. But uh, couldn't be happier for Kenny, him. Kelvin Gaslam's got a lot of confidence in that new training room, Santino DeFranco and Eddie Shaw. And you really felt like he was going to rise to the occasion with his back up against the proverbial wall. And uh, KG did that and then some, I thought. Well, well, it's rare that he doesn't. Um, he, he always shows up to fight, and he's going to fight hard. You know, mentally, you're not going to really get Kelvin down. Physically, he may come in with issues and things like that. But um, since his Ultimate Fighter finale debut, this was a guy that when the lights uh, come on, he shows up. And uh, I thought this was a great performance for him. I don't think this was the best Kelvin Gastelum that we've ever seen, um, but I thought it was the best Kelvin Gastelum that we've seen in a long time, like Brian said. And um, he, he, he showed up when he needed to. Chris Curtis like looked like he was on point, was landing some big shots. And I told you, that that freaking horse neck, Kelvin Gastelum, <laughs> it's just unbelievable that at this it. stage of the game, with all the fights that he's had and all the wars, that that mm -hmm. freaking chin of his can still it's take crazy. that kind of uh, power. It, it's it's amazing. But what a fight, dude. Uh, so well-deserved that they got fight of the night. That was a lot of fun. And chins yeah. on both sides. I yes. know we give yes. credit to yeah. Chris Curtis for rolling with the Definitely. punches, but he ate a lot of shots cleanly mm -hmm. and seemed no worse for wear. All right. I want to talk to you guys quickly about Christian Rodriguez humbling Raul Rosas Jr. by unanimous decision. I got to have dinner with Bilal Muhammad and Jared Gordon. You should hear these guys, Kenny, talk about C-Rod and just how problematic this kid is in training. Only 25 years old. Just a lot more high-level mixed martial arts experience for him coming in against Rosas Jr. And 
I was a fucking idiot when I was 27, never mind 18, kicking off a mm-hmm. kicking off a pay-per-view in Miami. So, Kenny, I do think mm-hmm. that uh, even though this is a pretty mature and wise young man, he's still 18. I think he's overconfident, and I think this is really going to be a valuable night for him when he looks back five or seven years down the line. Yeah, this, this was humble pie, right? Um, you know, this is a kid, 18 years old. He was talking about how he he what did he say? He beat up Aljo in training or something like that. Yeah, I mean, it'd be like this guy going in the octagon. I mean, it'd be like this guy in the fucking octagon. I love it. You know, so. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Uh, you know, I think that um, this was his opportunity. I hope if he's smart enough to go, I got way more work to do. The training room's the training room. A fight's a fight. I need to learn way more in this game. He was exposed. He was exposed. I didn't doubt the skills of Rodriguez. What I did doubt a little bit was him being able to deal with the pressure. And what I saw in Rodriguez was a guy who was very steady emotionally, uh, who stayed calm when he needed to, who could weather the storm and come back. After round one, when I saw him go back to the, to the stool, I go, oh shit, he's going to win this fight. Even after he got his back thing, I was like, he's going to be able to deal with this. Rosas, that's all Rosas has at this point. Rosas needs to get better. He needs to improve his his wrestling. He needs to improve his jiu-jitsu. He needs to improve his striking for sure. He's just not there mm-hmm. yet. That was a bad fight for him. It was a little bit too much at this stage of the uh, stage of his career. He needs to go back to the training room, get better technically, um, and, and just reevaluate. You know, uh, humble pie is great, especially for a kid 18 years old. I would have been shitting my pants. Actually, actually, I wouldn't have been talented <laughs> or good enough to be in the octagon at 18 years old, if I'm being honest. So kudos to him for no. being there. But I hope he learns from this gets better him and his team and uh and i'm sure he'll be back better yeah bry anything on rosas jr why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them with royal caribbean you don't just go to the beach you visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in north america you don't just go for a road trip you atv and zip line through the jungle you don't just go somewhere new you rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Uh, yeah, Kenny nailed everything. I just love the 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 fuck you parade that C Rod's going on. Uh-huh. He goes, "Oh, I have no takedown defense, double middle finger," and I retweeted that because that is how I broke the fight down. I was like, "He's been taken down ten times. He looked great. He shut everyone up, including myself." Yep. I thought Rojas Jr. Was just going to be a little too much high pace for him. I even texted Kenny. He was like, "Listen, eighteen-year-olds, they might not have that man strength, but they can just fucking yep, go all day right. long." And I jinxed him because the minute I said that, he fell off a cliff because all those things that usually work for him weren't working. And C Rod wasn't even breaking a sweat. Was defending well, and then again, uh, just a lot for him to work on. But he's eighteen years old. It's not over for him yet. This was just a nice little humbling experience for him. Also, congrats to Kevin Holland. Huge knockout of Santiago Ponzinibbio live on pay-per-view. Steve Garcia, mean machine. Too bad he didn't get a bonus for that incredible rally against Shailan Nerdon Becca. And I just have to say, I'm not sure that Kenny even saw the women's strawweight opener between Sam Hughes and Jacqueline Amarim. But Sam Hughes hands Jackie her first pro loss. Amarim, world-class jiu-jitsu player. 
Pan Am champion at Black Belt, right? And I just wanted to acknowledge the general Safe Saud because even though he is one of my dear friends in the MMA space, like you don't beat Amarim and navigate those jujitsu scenarios without a high level jujitsu coach, high level jujitsu training partners, and a head coach that can talk you through those transitions. So I texted Safe after the fact. Like, I'm not sure that there has ever been a more clear example of his greatness than his ability to talk Sam through all of that. I mean, the athlete deserves a lot of credit as well, but um, well-coached, great execution. And even though it happened eight hours before the main event, I wanted to acknowledge Sam Hughes. All right, let us get to the main event challenge. I'm going to update the standings right now. This should be fun. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So team Florian led it plus $260 to minus $1,880. So Petrie was down couple G's going into UFC 287. Team Florian goes two and five overall, minus 505 for the week. Puts you at minus 245 for the year. Petrie goes three and four, but he did have have that five-unit max play on Chris Curtis. So minus $705 for the week. So the negative nut for Petrie is now 2585. Team Florian's lead, $2,340 heading into UFC Fight Night. Holloway versus Allen. We begin with the main card opener at lightweight. Rafa Garcia, minus 225. Clay Guida, plus 190. Guida's still winning fights. This dude fought Ken mm-hmm. Flo in like his 10th UFC appearance. Now he's coming up on 35. He beat Scott Holtzman last December. As far as I'm concerned, Bri, Guida's won four of five. Should have gotten the nod over mm-hmm. Marco Madsen. Taking on mm-hmm. the Cub Swanson protege, Rafa Garcia, who also has some momentum. He is the betting favorite. You going Garcia or Guida, my man? Man, Clay hasn't fallen off, really, right? Chin's still there. Cardio's still there. The only thing that he has less of now at 41 is his hair. I mean, that's just the he truth. Just had a hair. He just had a hair transplant. He oh, did one of those is procedures. That what it was? Yeah. Okay, because that's all I got. I Why saw the guys do this? Like, I have a I full know. head of hair, okay? People think yeah. I'm going bald. People come up to me all the time, tell me I'm fucking yeah. losing my hair. My twin brother has hair down to his fucking asshole, right? <laughs> I don't understand these people who like go back and get hair treatments. And I think a lot of people who do it mm-hmm. actually have regret. I'm probably not a great source because oh, I've been picking my head since I was 12 years old. But yeah. like, dude, my, my father-in-law got one done in the early nineties where they hammered into your oh. head. Right. And all he's got left is just three. It's like a rainbow, right? Just three hairs. And he's so proud of them, but I cost him like 15 grand. I don't know why they do it. I got a nice head of hair, but if I lose this, it's gone. But uh, no, listen, Clay, he's still winning fights. It's crazy. The hot Scott Holtzman performance. Scott Holtzman's no joke. He's a big, powerful guy. Clay outpaced him, outworked him, retired him. Right. And he got Rafi Garcia. who's coming in three and three in the UFC. Some of his fights, he looks good. Other fights, he looks flat. He's very inconsistent. And when you're inconsistent and you're giving minus 225 number, I don't think I can take that. You know, you're a big, strong guy. You're a good grappler. You're a decent striker. But I think Clay puts a pace that's going to be a little bit difficult. This could be a close fight. This fight will go to a decision. I'm going with Glita for a close decision. And the reason I'm doing that is now we can add Hoffy Garcia to the list of who Ken Flo would fuck up huh. because, you know, he fucked up Glita. If Glita beats Hoffy, Ken Flo's right there, baby. He's still got it if he didn't retire. Uh, give me Clay Guida by, de- uh, by decision. And you notice as Ken Flo laughs and sways a little bit. Kenny, would you yeah. be so kind as to just put your head down for a minute? No? <laughs> You see what's immortalized behind Ken Flo? He is choking out a bloodied Clay Guida. Way back in the day, I believe it was Memphis, Tennessee. Kenny landed so much on the feed, and then he just decided he was going to put another man out of his misery. Um, 
Sorry, Kenny, but it's not like, you know, your past victims are going to be fighting forever. Clay Guida is still going strong. How do you like his chances this weekend, brother? Hair replacement. I want a back replacement. Um, <laughs> dude, yeah, listen, I think um, I think this is an interesting fight. I think Hoffa, if he catches him, it's going to be on the feet, right? I think he does hit hard mm-hmm. enough to give uh, Clay uh, problems. But as I found out and a lot of people find, find out, Clay is so awkward on the feet. He's got a rhythm that's just unlike any other, and it takes you a little bit to get, get a handle on it. Um, I, I think it's going to come down to the wrestling. You know, how good is Hoffa's wrestling? I think he's pretty good offensively, but I'm curious to see how his wrestling holds up defensively against Clay Guida and his pace. Uh, Clay still in phenomenal shape. I don't think his chin is what it used to be, but um, I think his pacing, I think his overall game is going to be a problem enough uh, to maybe win him this fight. So I I like Clay here. I I like the odds here. I think there's enough value uh, where he could pull it off. Couldn't agree more uh, as far as the inconsistency in regards to Hoffa Garcia, Brian. Uh, I think you're accurate there, and uh, I'm with you on Clay as well. Big fight at Bantamweight, boys. Chris Gutierrez, minus 210. Pedro Munoz, plus 180. Now, Gutierrez only ranked 13, and Munoz in the top 10 at number 9. But Gutierrez, to me, Brian, looks ready to fight the best guys in the mm-hmm. world right now at 31 years of age. Eight fight unbeaten streak. Lost his UFC debut in 2018. Nobody's been able to solve him since. On the other side, don't have to tell you about the young punisher, Pedro Munoz. He's fought them all. No. Hasn't fought since the no contest with Sean O'Malley last July. Yeah, this is this is kind of reminds me of the Yanez font, right? You know, we got an up and coming guy, and we got a proven guy. Look at the resumes. Pedro Munoz has been there. Everybody, he's lost three. O'Malley, which he was looking good in that fight, weird fight. Dominic Cruz, he just got outpaced. Legend Dominic Cruz and Jose Aldo. This guy's been in there. You can't finish him. He's got good jujitsu. I like to see him mix it up because Gutierrez can give up a takedown here and there. Gutierrez's leg kicks are deadly. His striking's good, but it's a difference when Pedro Munoz is fighting Dominic Cruz and Jose Aldo, and Chris Gutierrez is fighting Donna Bakker. Out. No disrespect to Donald Backer, but there are levels to this. And you're giving me a juicy number of Pedro Munoz at plus 180. I'm good to take it. I think Pedro Munoz can get it done here. I think he needs to use his jiu-jitsu a little bit. He's got a great front choke. He's got good takedown if he can land it, but sometimes he gets excited once the brawl. But give me Pedro Munoz at plus 180. That's a that's a juicy number I'm looking to take a stab at. Both guys who really know their way around a leg kick, Ken Flo, Gutierrez, Munoz. Mm-hmm. Who do you like? Who, yeah, I'm, I'm, that's, I'm, I'm really curious about that. The battle of the calf kicks mm-hmm. between both those guys, because both of them have tremendous calf kicks and will certainly go for them. Um, I think Gutierrez is, is sharper as a striker, though. Um, I, I think he's got decent size for that division as well. Um, I, I think his speed is going to be a problem. Munoz tends to get caught in patterns that he can't get out of sometimes. Uh, but I do agree, the easiest, easiest uh, path to victory for him is take the fight to the ground. He takes his fight to the ground. Mm-hmm. He wins this, and he wins this by submission or TKO. Um, can he out-wrestle Gutierrez, though? Is his wrestling good enough? I don't quite think so. Um, I think it's going to be close, but I like Gutierrez here. All right, next up at light heavyweight, Iwan Kutelaba, minus 120. Tanner Bozer, even money at plus 100. Excuse me. All right, so my research suggests that Tanner Bozer has only fought once as a light heavyweight. A few catchweights in there, mm-hmm. but only once at light heavyweight. That was in 2014. So he makes his UFC light heavyweight debut here against Kutelaba, who makes his 15th UFC appearance overall. And I lean into Instagram photos a little bit too much, but I think Tanner Bozer looks like he's done a lot of the right work. Looks like might even have a Mm -hmm. uh, a six-pack, if I'm not mistaken. Brian Petrie, Tanner Bozer, Iwan Kutelaba, which way are you going? 
Listen, I always fall into the Elon Kutalaba trap. I go, if he could just grapple, because Tanner Bozier's been exposed in the grappling. Last time out against Nascimento, it's like I had a lot of shekels on Tanner Bozier. I thought he was going to run through Nascimento. Just couldn't get up, which is getting bullied in there. I like the cut to 205 here. I love the Kentucky waterfall that he always rocks there, Tanner Bozier. Huh. Uh, I like that. I like I like, I like, like Tanner Bozier. I think the volume's going to be big here. And Kutalaba's just a wild man. You can't trust him. Even with this nice number, you know, I, I, I figured he it would be a little flip. So I actually think you're getting a better number. Number on Tanner Bozier. A lot of question marks around him at 205, but give me Tanner Bozier here. Bulldog Bozier. Let's go. All right. Brian Petrie likes Tanner Bozier plus 100. Hey, can you say Betch's last name? Can you say Betch again for me? Her full name. <laughs> Betch Coe. <laughs> you got to sing it. That was actually good. Oh, yeah, last time, though. It. That was good. Thank you, Kenny. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, he's learning. That uh, video Cody yeah. put together with your Betchko. Hey, I watched that. I don't even want to tell people how how many times I watched that. Uh, Kemflo, Kute Laba Bozer. <laughs> Which way are you going, Kemflo? Bozer, Kute Laba? Do you have a pick for us? We have a frozen flow. Uh oh. Bri, what were you going to say, by the way, before I so rudely cut you off? No, my, my kid watches that all the time. It's on uh, my I phone, and she takes my phone, and she just loves it. It's yeah. so funny. All right, well, we're going to wait on a prediction from Kenny for Kute Laba and Tanner Bozer, but in the nature of time, I'm going to stay in the division and move on to 205 pounds. Dustin Jacoby sure. is minus 180. Azamat Mirzakhanov is plus 155, one of the better light heavyweights mm -hmm. that – a lot of the casual fans don't know mm -hmm. about Jacoby sure. coming off a split loss to Khalil Roundtree Jr. last October. Mirzakhanov 12 and 0, a couple of stoppage wins in the UFC already. Big test for him here against the credential Dustin Jacoby. Yeah, listen, Mirzakhanov's a guy that came in the UFC that I was hyped about, and then he fell a little flat. Saved his 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 debut with a flying knee in the third round, and the Devin Clark fight was very kind of odd, slow pace, and he peaked Devin Clark up, knocked him out in the third round as well. Dustin Jacoby, I think, is underappreciated. I think this guy is the real deal. Has good boxing, has good volume, fought high-level kickboxers, fought Alex Pereira. This guy is the real deal, and he stays in shape. He's willing to take fights on short notice. He's big. He's a guy that just doesn't get talked about enough. I think he got robbed in the round tree fight. I had Jacoby in that fight. I like Jacoby here. This is a, a solid pick for me. I'm not going to lock him up because Merzikhanov hasn't tasted the feet yet. He is a Russian. He can wrestle. We haven't seen it yet, but he can do that. Jacoby is really shoring up his takedown offense, but uh, I like Jacoby here. I think he outpaces him. I think it's going to be a decision win here. Uh, volume. Volume kills in this fight for me. Yeah, you hit on a lot of important points there, and I think chief among them, I guess for me, really thought he did enough to beat Roundtree Jr. And then all of a sudden the I long winning streak still in tow and you're getting a yeah. different type opponent. So we'll right. see how it goes for Jacoby this weekend, but Petrie likes him at minus 180. All right, we are going to get a co-main event selection from you and then I'll back roll it with Ken Flo when he is back online. Sure. So yeah. Billy Corantello, what a fight. Minus 170. Edson Barboza plus 145. So Corintello is 34 years of age. Don't let the baby face fool you. Now's got to be right. the time to contend. He's 5-2 and two in the UFC. Stopped Alexander Hernandez last December. And now he's getting the big fight on which careers in theory are built. Taking on Barboza, mm -hmm. who makes his 28th UFC appearance. Barboza in search of his first win since he got Shane Burgos back in 2021. That's a common opponent. And they fought Shane Burgos within five months of each other. Barboza first. Mm -hmm. And then in a big spot, obviously, for Burgos after that bad loss to Barboza, was able to get the best of Billy Q a few months later. How do you see the mm -hmm. co-main event? Brian Petrie, Cor Corintello the favorite, Barboza the dog. 
I love this fight. And when I first saw it, my instincts tell me Barboza at that plus money, man, this guy's the real deal. He is 37. Now he's starting to, he's starting to wear it a little bit. Right. And Billy Q is a guy that just, he just wants the opportunity. This guy just wants the fight cardio. No problem. Toughness. No problem. I don't think he's great anywhere, but he puts it together so well. And I remember Spike Carlisle fight was just this incredible. That really, to me, brought him out and really showed who Billy Q was. So as much as I want to dance with Barboza at this plus money, I think Billy Q's pressure is going to be too much for, for Barboza. I think Barboza's going to be really good and dangerous on the outside. Those body kicks are nasty. There always will be. But I think Billy Q just be in his face. And this guy's a Buffalo Bills fan. This guy doesn't fuck around. He jumps through tables, right? Yeah. So he's going to be in this dude's face. And uh, I, he might break him late. I mean, I might I might sprinkle third round TK or something. But I'm thinking it's just going to be a pace that uh, Edson can't keep up with. Give me Billy Q. You look like a Billy. I look like a Billy? You do. I was going to be a Chris until three days before I was born. You also look like a Chris. Really? Okay. And just so yeah. the parents right. out there know, I just censored myself twice. I really <laughs> want to say, you look like a fucking Billy, and you really look like a fucking Chris. Yeah, my so, mom, my dad wanted Chris, and my mom, like, two days, like, nah. Because yeah. it's, it's, right. we didn't know about, I have two older sisters, and they didn't want to find out with me. So I was going to be Emily or Chris, and then now I'm Brian. All so right. here we are. Kenny, I just yeah. need to get a couple of light heavyweight picks on the record. I don't need your analysis, yes. and then you can do a deep dive on the co-main event. You're going Kute Laba minus 120 or Tanner Bozer plus 100. Yeah, this is tough. Kutalaba, you know, he's inconsistent, and Tanner Bozer also inconsistent. So I'm just going to go with uh, I'm going to go with Bozer here, uh, and I'm going to go with uh, the underdog in the next one, Azamat Mirzakhanov. Um, I think he's got a left hand from hell. You got to watch out for, and uh, he can mix things up with his takedown. So I'm going with uh, Mirzakhanov. And what there. do you nice. make of this co-main event? Betting lines suggest this is two fighters going in opposite directions. Some people suggest always bet on cardio, and while Barboza's is great, Quarantello's is as good as anyone's in this division. What do you think about the co-main event, Ken Flo, and ultimately we'll need a selection? Yeah, you know, cardio is one thing, but cardio and durability is is quite another, and that is Billy Q. Um, I just think his ability to pressure and stay in there, and Barbosa tends to fold as the fight goes on. Um, he can be overwhelmed, and I think Billy Q is that guy that can overwhelm him. So give me Billy Q. All right, main event, and what a main event it is in Kansas City. Max Holloway minus 190, Arnold Allen plus 160. So Max Holloway's win over Calvin Cater is immortalized behind me that is the most sensational five-round performance that i have ever seen in my life and it wasn't actually all that long ago but 11 straight main events or title fights for max holloway and that does come with a price his last seven fights have gone the full 25 minutes all of that juxtaposed against arnold allen who made his ufc debut in 2015 ninth year in the ufc and he's 10 and 0 in the octagon so hasn't mm -hmm. been able to regularly compete more than 1.5 or so times a year. We'll lead with you, Brian Petrie, Max Holloway, yeah. minus 190, Arnold Allen, plus 160. Who wins this featherweight main event? I mean, what a fight. What a fight. Listen, yeah, you're right. Arnold Allen's inconsistency was really bothering me early in his career. I faded him a bunch of times. I even think I picked, I did pick Cater against him. And then, you know, he looked great. He looked fast. He looked big. He looked strong. 
Uh, I, I, I underestimate how actually thick he is for 145. But this is just, and he's got a great number next to his name. So if you're valuable, you're chasing him, you're up on the night, you want to play, Aaron Allen's there. But again, I'm having a rough year. I'm not having a great year picking fights, and I'm and I'm trying to figure out why. And a lot of the times I look at these young guys and I go, young is, is going to beat the established guys. That really doesn't happen all that much. I mean, I don't have stats in front of me. This happened this weekend. Font proved, hey, I'm an established guy. I've been here. Max Holloway's lost, but he's lost to the best pound-for-pound fighter in the world. I don't care what happened in the Islam fight. Volkanovski's the best pound-for-pound fighter in the world. That's who Max is losing to, right? And he's losing to him, and, he's, and he got butchered his last time. I'll get met that, but the uh, f- two fights before that, he looked great. And then the Calvin Cater fight, I think this is to be levels. And what I love about Max here is he does everything in quiet. Like he got married, he has a kid, right? But you don't really know much about his team. You know, he doesn't post a ton of training photos. This dude just getting better. And he's one of the most competitive guys in the UFC. And I think he's coming out here. And I think he's going to be motivated here. I think Arnold Allen cannot stand with him for long. I think Allen's big, big power. But I think Max eventually will take over this technique. I think Arnold Allen needs to mix it up. Interesting to see if, if if Max can really stop some takedowns. That's something we haven't seen him fight in a while as a grappler. I'm going Max Holloway, even though I like the number Allen. Give me Max. Uh, no, no extra units. I'm gonna I'm gonna play safe this week, but give me Max. Once you're an established brand, I'm gonna start dicking around and calling you Big Gun Billy Petrie. But we gotta say it's Brian for now. Hey, you, Brian Petrie likes Max that, Holloway. Ken Flo, you going the other way on Arnold Allen, or are you sticking with uh with the older reliable Max Holloway? This is a tricky one. Uh, I think Arnold Allen is capable of, of pulling this off, um, but Max Holloway five rounds. All that experience, I think Arnold Allen can do very well early on, um, you know, rounds three, four, and five, where Max Holloway really starts getting into a rhythm. Um, that's where it gets interesting for me. Um, uh, yeah, it's tough. I, Brian, I've been doing the same thing. I, I've yeah. been kind of sleeping on Arnold Allen. Mm-hmm. I do think he's a, he's a tremendous fighter with a lot of skills. He gets by Holloway, man. I, I'm not going to fade him anymore. No. Uh, but it's tough to go against Holloway at this stage of the game. I will acknowledge, similar to that last uh, Jorge Masvidal Gilbert Burns fight, that Holloway his reaction time is slowing down a little bit. Is it the tr- is it was it the speed and feints of Volkanovski in that last one, uh, or am I seeing a, a deterioration there? I might be seeing a deterioration there. Uh, Holloway's still young, but man, he's had a lot of fights and a lot of wars, yeah. so that concerns me. And I'm such a huge Max Holloway fan, and, and what he's done here for the sport is just you know second to none dude's an absolute legend uh but i still believe him i still believe in him uh brian i can't go the other way i'm sorry no, but good, uh, i'm gonna go with max holloway unless i see something uh you know out of the ordinary maybe a weight cut a bad sure. weight cut or something i'm sticking with holloway All right, both guys like holloway in the main event you can get more from brian petrie on the mma takes podcast if you're so inclined at brian petrie mma on social media much love my brother we appreciate your time yeah. and uh we're gonna be talking every week for a while no dark weeks for some time so uh nice. buckle up buddy we'll talk to you next monday thank Let's you sir it. i'll see you boys thanks there hey. is the great brian petrie with us here on the anakin florian podcast and thanks everybody for indulging us for the ufc 287 recap today thank you to teddy atlas thank you to ray longo thanks to my man kenny florian i apologize for having to duck away that really was not my intention but you know felt like it was a good opportunity to hop on first take and uh maybe helps the show in some small part as well Best of luck in Las Vegas. I know your marathon schedule Thanks, continues. Bro. Ken Flo with Shane Burgos coming up this weekend against Olivier Aubame-Mercier. Don't forget Kenny Florian, martialarts.com, anikflorianpodcast.com, millions.co for your One More Sleep merchandise as well. We'll be back with you Thursday, one-on-one with Evan Longoria, live on the DraftKings YouTube channel and wherever you ingest your podcast on the audio side. Thanks to our executive producer, Cody Merrow, 
And thank you to all our guests for Ken Flom, John Anik. Thank you all for listening and watching. We'll talk to you in a few days. Until then, see you later. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.